Hey there, I hope that you have been enjoying this bonus five-part series all about the CEO seasons. If you've been kicking with me this long, you've already made it through part one, part two, part three, and part four, which took us basically from $0 in revenue all the way up to $3 million in revenue and really understanding the unique differences about the different seasons that you will experience as you are growing your business um, and really what's required at each one of those seasons. So I hope that you have thoroughly enjoyed this. If you have, it would mean the world to me if you did one of two things, either send me a direct message over on Instagram. I'm at Jerisha Hawk there. And just let me know what your top takeaway was, which episode of this bonus series was most impactful for you and why. Or even better, it would mean the world to me if you literally take 30 seconds to go leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are currently listening to this podcast. Your reviews is what helps the future listener um, have confidence that this is the right podcast they should be tuning into. This is where they should be spending their time. So if you have left a review from my bottom of my heart, thank you so much for taking the time to just give your honest opinion. Um, and if you have never left a review, just feel just it would mean the world to me if you just take a second um, to go leave a review, be honest, keep it 100. If you give me a one star, if that's really how you feel, I still want you to publish that. Um, and if you feel like this is a five star podcast, do that too. So just thank you for leaving your feedback because it helps future listeners, you know, really understand or decide whether or not they should spend their time consuming this. Um, so to this episode, this is a, this is the part five of the CEO series, and this is going to be an episode purely of questions and answers. Um, people asking questions about something specific they want me to give some more perspective on as it relates to this season um, or into this series. So if you want to just get some real questions from real people who are just like you, keep listening to this episode. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to this bonus series, this five-part series on understanding the different seasons that you will experience as a CEO. And again, I just really hope that this bonus series gave you some clarity and insight um, so that you can have some peace of mind knowing what you need to focus on when. Uh, Sheila said, how do, you, how do you deal with the thoughts of quitting when things get hard? Like, I reserve the right as a CEO to quit and fire myself at any moment as long as I'm willing to hire myself back within 24 hours. That's my rule. I'm a CEO. I can fire myself and I also have the privilege of being able to hire myself back. So there's some days where I do quit. I fire myself from the role of CEO and then I go get my shit together and I take a day and then I hire myself back the next day. That's that's how I deal with it. It's just I think too guys just honor it. Like it's hard. Like what you're doing is not easy. Like, this is why people don't start businesses. This is why people don't succeed in business. This is why less than 2% of people um, ever make a million dollars in business. I think it's less than 10, less than 7% of people ever make $100,000 in revenue. Like, this is why people don't make it. Like, people quit and never rehire themselves back. I'm willing to quit, but I just, I have a rule that I have to hire myself back within 24 hours. Oh my gosh, Heather. Yes, I do. I go back through an interview process. You know, if you guys, there's a, uh, there's an episode I have on the podcast. It's like, would you hire you? When I'm having a really, really, really rough time, I go back and re-listen to that episode. If you go listen to the episode on the podcast, would you hire you? Child, get you all the way together. All the way together. Okay. Literally when I'm having a really tough time, I go back and listen to that episode. Because I have to ask myself, would I hire me back? Do I earn the right of holding the title of CEO in this season? 
Am I willing to do what's required? Am I really to bear the responsibility? And I'd be like, ugh, fine, let's go. Or maybe I'm excited, but that's my rule. I have to hire myself back within 24 hours. When in my business did I start my podcast? Probably like two years into business, I think I started my podcast. I was terrified of starting a podcast for the longest, even though I would do live streams all the time. Um, but I didn't start my podcast maybe till two years into the business. I don't know, something like that. Two years, three years, something like that. Maybe two years, I think. I don't know, two and a half, something. Somewhere in between year two and year three, I started the podcast. Uh, okay. Ooh, I love this, Chris, this question from Chris. Do you think your first cohort should be a better price? I'm assuming you mean beta price means a reduced price. Um, I don't believe in just pricing something cheaper just because it's the first time it's being introduced. That's just not my belief pattern. I believe that you need to price your offer based off the value that you can articulate, based off the value that you can deliver, and based off the demand that exists. And those are the three things that I think you need to take into consideration when you are pricing your program. I do not inherently just charge less just because it's the first time I'm doing something. Um... Now, if I'm charging less because I don't demand yet does not currently exist or that I'm not effective at articulating my value or I'm not effective at delivering my value, then those things can contribute to me maybe having a reduced price. But I don't just choose to do it lower just because it's the first time I've done it. Um, and I don't really believe in like the beta program offer and the way in which it's described in our industry. I'm an engineer by trade and a lot of like tech software or tech pieces are designed through a three-phase process. There's an alpha launch, a beta launch, and a delta launch. And an alpha launch is like the first time that you sell something or the first time that you create something, you have to actually prove that the thing that you designed actually functions the way that it was intended to function. And that's the first round of like iteration for any new thing that you create. Once you can prove that, that the, like, let's say you're like building a medical drug. The first time that you're building a medical drug, you have to first test that like, we want this drug to, I don't know, cure a migraine, right? So then you have to run the trials. Like, you, you know, there's like all these trials that happen to manufacture drugs. So you have to like run these trials to actually validate that the drug that you designed actually fixes the problem that you intended for it to fix. And then once you do that, then you run more trials to like, okay, let's go do focus groups and let's actually like, let's get the client experience aspect of it. To me, that's beta. Beta is when you've actually proved that the thing that you designed delivers on the result that you in intended for it to deliver. The second round is the beta phase and that the beta phase is all about how do I enhance and improve and figure out what the client experience is. And then the third phase, after you've tested that this thing can actually deliver on what it was intended to deliver on, this is why I'm so adamant about your coaching programs having a program promise. Because how can you validate the effectiveness of your program if you don't know what the intended result of that program is supposed to be and that that intended result is not something that you can actually measure. You can't, if you can't measure the, the build, like the success rate of your clients, like to me, that's not, again, this goes back to the owner's intent. When we're talking about building your profit and building your personal net worth, if you don't know the intention, if you can't measure the effectiveness of the, of the curriculum that you're designing, to me, that's no, it's not an asset because you can't measure it. If you can't measure, this is why having a program promise is so important that needs to be measurable, that is objective, that is external, that's not just based off of 
my confidence is better. I have more clarity or like we help you find your purpose. Like how the hell do you measure that? It's subjective. You can't measure it. Like that's not the most, that's not a strong measure of effectiveness. So that's when I think about beta, I don't really agree with how our industry talks about beta launching uh, personally, just because of my own personal background. Um, but I'm a really big believer in you, you should charge based off the value that you can articulate, the value that you can deliver and the demand that currently exists. That should influence the cost more than anything else. Uh, <laughs> y'all asking some personal questions tonight. Okay, somebody said, what's the most you've invested in courses, education, professional development? Um, I think this year alone, I've probably spent, I don't even know. I literally was asking my accountant last night, like, how much have we spent on coaching and, and contractors and team this year? Um, I think I spent somewhere around, I don't even know. Um, at least close to $200,000 on coaching this year alone, at least. I feel like we might have probably spent a little bit more than that on coaching this year or like some sort of personal development, professional development, education, like easily $200,000. Is the audio still on? Let me know if you guys can still hear me or not. Because... Can you guys still hear me? Just give me like a yes in the chat if you guys can still hear my voice. Okay, just want to make sure because my battery was about to die and then sometimes it does and then audio goes out. Um, but I've easily spent at least $200,000 this year on coaching or professional development. Um, probably the most I've spent on one coach is close to 100000 something like that. But me investing in coaching, non-negotiable. I will always have a coach. I will always be in a group coaching program or a group mastermind. It is a non-negotiable for me and my business. Non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. No, I didn't start, you know. Okay. Let me see what's next. How do you know if your prices are too high compared to your competition? The market will tell you, like your market will tell you if you're priced too high. Um, but again, pricing should be based off of three things. The value that you can, somebody write this down for your neighbor. Let's help each other out. What are the three things that you should base your pricing on? One, the value that you can articulate. The second thing you should base your pricing on is the value that you can deliver. The third thing that you should base your pricing on is the demand that currently exists. Those are the three things that you should base your pricing on. I could give two diddly squats. I could give two fucks how much my competition is paying. Because guess what? My competition, I don't have competition. I don't believe, like I've really started to, I've started to adjust my perspective on this over the years. Is that if you have such a defined program promise, like I don't know anybody else who is teaching people how to build a three to $10,000 curriculum-based group coaching program using organic marketing and a lean team to achieve multi-six figures. I personally don't know anybody else excelling that exact same offer. Now, there's other people in the industry who are teaching people variations of that or maybe how to get that same result that I help clients achieve, but in a different way, like maybe with, with team, with paid ads, um, at a lower price point with an ascension model, like they might, there might be other options 
that allow my clients or allow your prospects to achieve a similar result. But no, I don't know anybody who's teaching the that that has as diverse of a community as we has that like focuses on these strategies because the whole intentionality of it is so that you can maintain and increase your profit margins. Like I don't know anybody else selling what I'm selling. So it's really hard to compare me against somebody else in the industry because there's going to be some variable that differentiates me or or makes me non-comparable because they're not doing it. So I think that's something like, you know, I think I, I think that is something maybe to consider. And so how do I know if my prices are too high? Like I know my prices are too high if like, again, it's not aligned with the value that I can articulate. It's not a value aligned with the value that I can deliver. And it's not aligned with the demand that currently exists. But your market will tell you, like you'll notice when people are, um, like you'll know the market will tell you because they won't pay for your services. Like the market will tell you when you have a, maybe like a really crappy conversion rate, like the market will tell you, like if you can't, if you're trying to sell some $7,000 thing and you've, You've talked to 50 people and not one person has bought. That might be telling you something that either your value articulation is weak. The claim that you're making in regards to your program promise isn't strong enough. That your messaging isn't aligning with their perceived risk or their perceived objections around your offer. That you're, like, that, that's the only reason why I feel like your price point might be too high. Is because either your value that you're articulating doesn't make, is not strong enough for the price point that you want to command. Or like, can you deliver on what you're saying that you can deliver on? I think that's the other thing is just like sometimes people be this is this is the biggest issue that I see in our industry. People be trying to solve entry level problems at a high ticket price point. Don't 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 do that. <laughs> like if you're trying to solve an entry level problem at a high ticket price point, you're are like you're not you're there's no like, you making your life so much harder than it needs to be. So much harder than it needs to be. Cuz that's like me trying to go and say like you know I want to help teenage girls enhance their confidence and I'm charging $10,000 to do that but I want to sell it to people who are in inner cities who are who, who are parents who are in poverty make that one make sense I don't know where the money about to come from that like you're literally creating an offer for a non-ideal prospect and when I say ideal what I mean is by a non-qualified candidate so like I think it's just when you how, how do you know your I don't really believe in like your pricing being too high for competitors. I feel like your pricing may be misaligned with one of the core con, con, like the core contributors that I just laid out. Hey Jordan, hello my love. Okay. Come on Annabelle. Let's go. Who else who else here is a client of mine that's on the paid in full club? Who else here is in the paid in full club? Our paid in full club, what I like to call. I'm literally, guys, I'm getting merchandise made so that we can actually make this like an official thing. Um, spoiler alert. But who here has made enough money where they've been able to pay their investment back for a program they bought for me in full? Or you've like made, you've had a full return on investment. Just type in hashtag paid in full in the chat. I'm a fan. Where are the paid in full folks at? Where are the paid in full folks at? Where you guys have had a full return on investment for whatever it was that you've ever paid for any whatever programs of mine you've been in. Who here is in the paid in full club? Annabelle said, I stay in the PIF club. Come on. Okay. Okay. What's the next question on here? What's the next question? Okay. Oh, I love this question. How integral was my husband in supporting you and hitting this goal? And what role did he play? Like one thing I'm forever grateful for is having a partner. Um who 
is fully aligned with the mission that I've been put on this, like, that I've been called to have. Like having a partner who is, who want, like, who is, who is aligned with what his calling is, and he recognizes my alignment with my calling. Like I think that's one of the most beautiful. I couldn't have prayed for anything better than that. Like, um, and the thing that I love about how God works with partnership, Darina's. He didn't want to come play on tonight. I'm like, babe, why don't you want to come in here and talk to the people? Because I feel weird addressing this without him in the room. But uh, I mean, I think he's like being in partnership is one of the most beautiful things you can have in life. Like, I really I don't I don't know what it would be like being living in the roof, sleeping on the pillow. Like there's so many times we're having pillow conversation. Like there's so many times that we talk about life and business and money every day. Like we have wealth building conversations. We used to have them weekly over dinner. We talk, you know, we're always talking about um, how we can be compounding, like what God has been putting in front of us and what God has been giving us. It's constant conversation in our household, and it's really beautiful because we have a really di- interesting dynamic of skill sets. Like again, I know how to cash flow. I know how to start something from nothing and bring it to something. DJ knows how. Like if you give him capital, he knows how to compound it. So it's a really beautiful dynamic. And I think probably one of the one of the bigger things that I say I'm most proud of because of our partnership is like the ripple effect that it has on my clients. Like anybody, like if you guys have ever worked with me in some capacity, especially my clients who are in legacy, so much of his influence has been able to have such a ripple effect because of what I'm able to now teach my clients. Like there's no, I don't know any other coach who's out here giving the game plan the way that I share it. Like I share so freely because I want us to win. I share so freely because I don't want to be the only one having these conversations. I don't want to be the only one that's making a million dollars profit. I don't want to be the only one in this position. And especially for us black and brown folks, like there's nobody that's teaching us this game. I guarantee you your white coach ain't talking to you about what to do with your profit. I guarantee your white coach is not equipping you to handle the unique barriers that we experience as black and brown people in America in a capitalistic society. Nobody is teaching us how to navigate this game. And I'm a really like when I think about how he's played a role, not just me hitting this goal, but me being able to equip my clients to hit these goals is because like he's taught me how to play the game like that wealthy people play. I only know how to get rich. I know how to get you rich, but he's really taught me the game of like, how do you get, how do you go from rich to building wealth? Many of us think that building wealth is like being out of debt, owning a house, owning our car. Like, nah, that's the starting line. You have most people on here, myself was included. I had a negative net worth, a negative net worth. We be so amped up just to get to zero where we are debt free. Debt free is the starting line, people. You having you having no debt, you not you having no debt is the starting line. Is the starting line. That is not the destination. But I think many of us think and the system has taught us to believe that that is the game. That's the American dream. F that. So, you know, DJ deals with high net worth individuals. So he knows and understands and the world of like how the wealthy function and he's definitely influenced my mentality around that and I think the big the most beautiful part about it is that I get to teach you guys about it I get to teach my clients about it I get to infuse it in my programs I you know he's come in everybody in my mastermind legacy has met my husband 
He's done a presentation on how do you think about your exit strategy. He talks like, you know, I had a group of clients over on over at my house and like we had a full on conversation about building wealth and like using the profit to build our net worth and, you know, what it looks like for us to be new money and how to navigate this territory. Like he's always a phone call away. And when you guys hear me talking like that, it's because he taught like he's taught me so much of it that I get to reteach to you guys. So like, I think that's really, when I think about how it's influenced me, like it's not just me, but I, I think the bigger part of it is that I'm, I'm able to help so many other people who came from places like we came from who look like me do this. And that's something I think is really missing in the coaching industry because everybody out here teaching you how to make money. Ain't nobody out here teaching you how to compound your money, how to focus making on making decisions that build your profit. And particularly, like how do you, how do you operationally structure your business so that you can be as profitable as possible? Most coaches are not are just only focusing on how to help you grow your revenue. And they may like talk about profit, but they're not really like laying out the game plan around it. Like every one of my clients in my mastermind has met my tax planner, has met my tax strategist. Like I'm not I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not like trying to like hide the resources. Like I'm trying to teach as much as I possibly can, because like I don't want us just to make money. That's how the system was designed, just us to be out here hustling, us to be laborers, us to be thinking we doing something when we are at the starting line. F that, like I saw, I'm like ranting at this point, but he's heavily influenced me to think beyond uh, the game that majority of Americans have access to. Like many people think that investing is having a 401k. A 401k won't make you wealthy. People think that buying stocks will make you wealthy. Buying stocks do not make you wealthy. Like people think out here having a Robin Hood account is them doing something. And like, yes, I honor everybody's season and where you're at. But like having a Robin Hood account is not investing. People think they got $500 in crypto and because they made $2,000, like they made it. Like that is not investing. Like, like I think so many people and even in the space, like they try to perpetuate that like and I'm not knocking it, okay? Like, I'm not knocking it. My thing is, like, can we think bigger? Can we think bigger and can we think beyond that? Can we have goals beyond, you know, can we can we just dream bigger than that? Like, I think that's the big thing that I want us to get on. Like, having one real estate property, like, let's think beyond just having one real estate property. Let's think beyond, like, you having, you owning an entire, uh, you owning an entire subdivision. Like, instead of thinking about how do I have one Airbnb, I'm like, how can we get to a place where you own the entire block? Like, instead of you worrying about how do I own this one apartment in a building, how do we get you to a place where you think your, your thought process is how do I buy the building? Like, that's my, what my husband has taught me. I used to always say, babe, I want this penthouse. He said, babe, I'm buying you the hotel. Like, babe, what would it look like if we, you know, own this? Like, he would always take it to the next level. And I feel like that's what I want for us. Like, and so many of this, the coaching industry, becoming a profitable online coach can put you on the fast track to be able to make that possible for you because you can grow and design a coaching business with such low overhead, with such high profit that will it will change your world so fast when you function and operate your coaching business in a way and design it in a way to function lean and high profit. So like, I just think that, you know, he's definitely helped me think bigger and it encourages me to teach that to my clients. Like we aren't playing that like we need to be playing differently. Like instead of looking at like, how do you look at your business to be a vehicle that within three to five years, it gets you to a million dollars personal net worth. And then after you get to a hundred million dollars, I mean, get you to a million dollars personal net worth, then go sell those $19 eBooks. Then, cause now you're in a position to give something away. 
Now you're in a position to like do the mass market thing. Like y'all aren't in a position to do that yet. I'm not in a position to do that yet. So like, like, like let's actually put ourselves in positions where we, when we do give back, it actually has the impact that we want. But I just think that like, I don't know. That's like, that's how much he's impacted me. Like he's helped me think so much bigger and he's helped me stop being, stop being okay with playing small with my goals. Like Stop looking at a 401k trying to save you. A 401k won't make you wealthy. Your business will make you wealthy. So treat your business like your retirement plan. Like, stop thinking, like, I'm going to put it, like, no, like, we got to stop thinking so small. We have got to start thinking bigger if we actually want to get beyond the starting line. Okay. Um... Uh, okay, this is a really cool question, I think. Okay, hold on, I might have to read it first because it's a long one. Uh, somebody asked, how do you handle having hundreds of people wanting to invest in your high-ticket program but not being able to afford it and not wanting to sign up for a low-ticket offer because it doesn't align with the result they want? How do I handle it? Girl, I don't try to handle it. I release and let go and let God. That is not me. That is not for me to handle. Um, because right now you're in a lose-lose situation. So you got hundreds of people who don't want to pay high ticket. And then those same people don't want to invest in the lower program because it doesn't align with the result they want. That's a lose-lose situation trying to make that work. Let it go. Let it go. Do not let that keep you up at night. Do not let that keep you from sleeping at night. Let that go. Just be like, okay, thank you so much. Be blessed. I wish you all the best. Like you have to be willing to like... Every, every your program is not for everybody your program is not for everybody but my thing is if you are constantly tracking people who don't want to invest who who aren't willing to pay and then also don't want to buy the lower ticket thing that lets me know there's something off with your messaging there's something off with your value articulation because your messaging your marketing the number one job that your marketing is supposed to do is to attract qualified leads for your program so if your marketing is attracting a bunch of people who one cannot pay, who will not pay and don't want to invest in the lower end thing, that means that there is something fundamentally off with the messaging that you are including in your marketing because your marketing is attracting a bunch of non-qualified candidates for your program. So that means that you need to go back to the drawing board and either like where do you need to refine your program promise? Where do you need to better align the price of your program to, our, to align with the... So nobody wrote this down in the chat. Can somebody help us out? What are the three things that your pricing should be based on? Pop quiz time. Pop quiz time. Okay. What are the three things that you should be basing your pricing on? Pop that in the chat real quick. Top three things. Pop quiz, y'all. Y'all been here. We've been rocking. What are the top three things your pricing should be based on? Who got some answers? This is the one time you're allowed to cheat on the test. Boom. Kiera said the value you can articulate. One point. Gold star for Kiera. Boom, you got the second one, the value that you can provide, the value that you can deliver. Okay, hold on, we got some, we got some winners in the chat. The Valley Pearl got the third one. Boom, the demand that currently exists. So that lets us know that like, okay, if, you're, if your marketing is attracting a lot of people who are not willing to pay either high ticket or low ticket, that lets us know that there's something fundamentally off with your messaging. There's something off with your marketing. So that means we need to go back there and like, okay, where do, like, this is why phase one of our, of our coaching program is so important. 
because there has to be proper alignment with your offer to make everything else down the funnel work. So y'all, come on, gold stars. Can we give it up for the uh, for our classmates who allowed us to succeed on this pop quiz? Come on, let's give it up for our classmates. Yes, in the chat. But this is why the, the phase one of leverage is so important because you have to first get very, very clear on like what is the program promise that I'm selling? But then secondarily, who was the correct Olympian for the offer that I'm selling? Not an ideal client, but a qualified prospect. And when we think about qualification, many of us think we, we misconstrue misconstrue qualified person with like who we want or who we think this program is for or who we know that this program could help. Who this program can help is not the same thing as who's qualified for the program. Because just because many of us have programs that can help a lot of people, many of us have processes and have programs that can solve a lot of people's problems. But the fundamentally, it's not about who it can help. It's about who is qualified for the program, meaning who's willing and able to pay whose urgency aligns with the positioning of our promise. And like those, those, and you know, those factors have to be in place. So it's not just about who does this, this is where it's like, it's not about you selling what you can deliver. It's about you effectively articulating the value so you can get the person to believe and actually pay so that you can serve and support them. So if you're getting people who are not qualified and unwilling to pay, that lets us know that there's something off either with how the offer is being presented and or more than likely off with how you are articulating your value through your messaging and your marketing. Because your marketing, what you put out online, what you talk about in your content, what you include in your email sequences or whatever, that's what it attracts the audience that you have. So what you're putting out right now is unintentionally attracting the wrong people. So that means that we need to change and adjust and evolve and probably you probably need to have a higher level of sophisticated content that is addressing the right the, the perceived risk that your prospects have so that you can attract qualified people for your program. So that is what I would tell you there. But otherwise, you got to let go. It ain't for everybody. One thing is, don't be don't be in a rat race trying to like satisfy everybody's needs because you'll just stay broke. Girl, I've been there. I've done that. It's kind of like dating a guy for his potential. Where are my ladies at who used to date? Maybe you still do. I had to learn. This was a long lesson I learned. You kept dating for people's potential. He fine. He got some really nice abs and I know he got potential. You fall in love with the potential. You fall in love with the idea of who he can become. And what ends up happening, ladies? What ends up happening we stuck looking like boo boo the fool we out here stuck looking like who did it and what foe in love with the potential but what is he today that's what ends up happening in business we end up falling in love with the potential the potentiality that we believe for our prospects but the reality is what is their commitment level what is their alignment level what is the consistency that they are bringing what are they bringing to the table today? Not the potential of who they can become, but what is here today in the moment. It's the same thing. We'd be falling in love. I know I can help them. I know I can help them. I really know I can help them. It don't matter what you can do. It don't. It don't. It don't. We have got to release. That is not our problem to solve. You are not here to raise this man. You are not here to raise these prospects. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Ooh, 
I married a king. I sure did. But guess what? I used to date peasants. <laughs> I used to be in love with peasants. I used to fall in love with peasants and the potentiality of these peasants. If any woman is on here who needs help with this, you see the handle, get your guy underscore coaching. Anwar can get you together. Okay. Anwar can get you together. Anwar is a coach. He's in leverage and he helps women attract and date quality men who are on their level. I used to be in love with peasants. And it's so funny is because how you act in your personal relationships would normally be a direct reflection of what is happening in your business. That's all I got to say. That means probably some healing needs to take place, some trauma separation that needs to take place, some trauma bronze that we need to be unshackled from. And that's just what needs to happen. But we got to stop falling in love with potential. We got to stop designing offers for potential. We got to stop dating peasants. And it's no knock because maybe the peasant will one day rise, but they must rise before we try to get them. We can't be trying to make we can't be trying to make them rise ourselves. It ain't new. Mm -mm. <sighs> Let's just release. Everybody inhale with me. Let's just release. <sighs> let it go. We gotta just let it go. Let it go. And just know that, you know, it ain't our job to solve everybody's problem. It's another thing. As coaches, we are not saviors. That is the role of Jesus. That is the role of Jesus. We are not saviors. We are shepherds. We are meant to guide, okay? We are shepherds. We are not saviors. Sometimes we can take on the role of I have to save my clients. No, you don't. That is God's responsibility. That has already been handled. It is my job to be a shepherd, not to be a savior. Don't put me on no pedestal, honey. Don't do it. Because I'm, I'm of the flesh, I'm of the flesh. I'm an imperfect human being doing the best I can every day, taking personal responsibility for my moments of, of downfall and disappointment. So that's another thing. I used to do this all the time. I would like, I want to save my client. And then you start getting a bunch of clients who are like in this victim role. They're looking for you to save them too. They release all control back to you. It ends up turning into a master slave role. Where it's like, what I, master, what I got to do? Tell me what I got to do. They're not thinking for themselves. They're not making decisions for themselves. They, are, they have put all control. I, I might have went a little bit too far with that analogy. <laughs> I, I apologize. I might have went a little bit too far. I might have went a little bit too far with that analogy. But sometimes that's like how it can feel. Like people, like I know I've been a client in a situation like this where I feel like I have released all control of myself back onto the person that I hired. Where I felt almost like in a codependent relationship, like shackled to them. Like if they didn't give me permission, I wouldn't make the decision. And I lose all sense of belief in myself, all sense of trust with my intuition, all sense of knowing. And it's just like you end up being, you end up lost and dependent on this coach. Like that is not a relationship you want to create with your clients. And that's not a relationship that you want to have. Like that's not a relationship that you want to have with a coach. And that's not a relationship you want to build with your clients. Like we don't ever want to be trying to recreate this patriarchal society that many of us have been on the downside on, you know, like that's not what we're trying to create. We don't want that. I don't want a, co a coaching program where people are just literally replicating what I say, tell them to do. Like, I don't want you to be, build a Jerisha Hawk business. I want you to build a you business. 
using principles that made me successful. You can use those same principles to make you successful in a way God has called you to be successful. But like, I don't want, this is why I don't like, I, I, I'm not a fan of coaches who are like, you have, you have to sell a program. You have to charge $2,000. It has to be three months long. You have to make this your niche. You have to like, like basically making you like where they making like a little, you know, them little suburban neighborhoods where every house looks the exact same. The little cookie cutter houses. Like I don't like cookie cutter coaches who are telling you what to do, but who are not teaching you how to think. Because if they're only telling you what to do and they're not teaching you how to think, they're not equipping you to actually be able to succeed and sustain the results that they have helped you been able to get. Like I don't ever want that to be the case. Because that to me is another form of control. That to me is another form of slavery. Because now now you're enslaved to that coach. Because now you no longer trust your capabilities. And you feel as if you can't do anything unless they tell you what to do. We're not about to do that around these parts. Okay? Okay. <sighs> Gosh, you guys are asking the best questions. Okay. I need to go do my nails though. I was planning on doing my nails tonight. And I have a donut waiting on me. One thing I am probably going to do... We we got through a lot of questions. I did not get through all of them though. So let me screenshot these really quickly so I can answer them over the next few days. Okay, hold on. Okay, I'm gonna answer this one last question that I see on here. There's more questions, but this one's the last one I'm gonna answer. Pregnancy therapist said, how did you believe you could get a million dollars while understanding your marginalization as a black woman? How did I believe it? Man, I made a decision at a very young age that I was not going to be broke. I think I was maybe six years old. I remember I was in the passenger seat of the car. My dad was driving and I remember telling myself, I will not be broke. And I made a decision. I think, how do you believe it? Like first, I think you just, the fact that you even, I think this is, this is the issue that I have with our, with the system. The fact that some of us don't even believe that that is possible is like the fundamental issue that lets us know that the system worked really really well because if you don't even believe that that's an option then like you'll 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 never you'll never achieve it because it starts with the belief that that's even available it starts with the desire for for that actuality but how do you believe that you can do it like this is why again I'm so open with my journey why I share my numbers why I'm willing to like have these conversations with you guys because you at least now know somebody who looks like you who's done it and I best believe if I can do it you can too I don't think it's by coincidence that you're watching this live stream or that you're listening to this episode. Out of all the millions of people that are on Instagram, the millions of podcast episodes that exist, the millions of people on Facebook, the billions of people in this world, what are the likelihood that we just so happen, you just so happen to discover my page? I don't believe it's a coincidence. I believe it's divine alignment. And whatever whatever you're supposed to get out of this alignment, if, if the only thing that you get was that, dang, I know this black girl from Michigan who was able not only to build a million dollar business, but to build a million dollars in profit in one calendar year. Shoot, if she can do it, I can too. She be cussing. She believes in God. She likes trap music. And she be dropping the N-word from time to time on, on live streams, which is probably her crossing the line a little bit much, but she's willing to be herself, so I respect it. Like, if you can, like, her grandma raised her like me, like she didn't been through some some crap with some like messed up dudes before. Like find whatever commonality you need to find. Like if if I if like if nothing else if if we just cross paths just so that I could be a possibility model, I am available for that. Like 
So I don't know how I got to the point where I believed it. Like, I think sometimes for me, I think um, exposure is always something that helps me believe bigger. Like, you know, meeting my husband, that exposed me to a different way of thinking. That made me think bigger. Um, you know, I, I back in the day when I didn't have no money, I would drive around to these really, really rich neighborhoods. I would go on Zillow and I would literally find what's the most expensive house that I can find on Zillow. And what I would do, I would go drive around those neighborhoods when I was like 15 years old. Because it, it was a point of belief for me. Like somebody, and I would drive around the houses until I found a car in a driveway because if a car was in the driveway, that let me know that somebody actually lives there, which means that somebody was willing to buy, somebody was in a position to buy that house. So I used to do that. I would look for proof. Like if I didn't believe it, I would go look for proof to prove me wrong. You know, the first time um, I was on an airplane, like I would, I literally remember the first time um, I bought my first class flight. Like I, I put myself in the position so that I could experience something different to, to help my belief expand beyond where it currently was. Like I, you know, like when I used to want to tri take trips internationally, I couldn't afford to go. So what did I do? I used to watch YouTube videos. Like I would try to expose myself to the thing that I wanted to experience. And even if I didn't believe at the time, I would look for things that I could borrow belief from. I would look for things that I could borrow belief from. So me driving around the neighborhood and seeing a car parked in a driveway was I was able to borrow that person's belief of what was possible for me. Um, I would invest in coaching. And this is why I'm such an advocate for coaches, because now you can invest to be around other people who have a belief, ha have a belief muscle that's bigger than yours. Like I, I believe in working with a coach who believes in who's achieved and who believes in my uh, believes bigger than what I currently believe, because sometimes I may not have the belief, but I can borrow my coach's belief. Sometimes I may not have the belief, but I can borrow the belief from the peers around me. This is why I'm such an advocate for group coaching programs. Because you may not yet have achieved the result, but if you're sitting at the table because you paid to be in the room, to be in a coaching program, and you see other people getting results, you can borrow belief from the person next to you. Like if she was able to do it, then clearly I'm in the same room as her. I'm at the same table as her. That's available for me. I can see him doing it. We both pay to be in the exact same program. Clearly, we got some commonalities. I may not see it, but I can borrow his belief in this moment. So sometimes like you have, I, I will pay to be in a room to see other people who are achieving, who have exposure to what I want, because I may not have the belief, but I can borrow their belief until my belief muscle increases. So I think that's something that has been instrumental for me. Like I remember being in a coaching program. I remember sitting down at the table and I was making $300,000 a year at the time. The dude sitting next to me was making $300,000 a month. I was like, shit. Here I was raising my hand, like, look what I did this year. I made 300K this year. Dude next to me was like, yeah, I made 300K this month. That expanded my belief. I had no idea how I was going to get there. I had no idea how he, like, that didn't even make no sense to me. I was, I, for the rest of the day, I checked out. I was like running the numbers, like, how the heck? He made $300,000 in a month. And then I kept thinking, okay, I looked at, I was looking at, then I went and opened up, opened up a new notebook paper. I'm over here running my business. Like, well, how, what would be required for me to make $300,000 a month? Like, I, like, that changed my life. And like, that, that's what, that, that, me, I borrowed this stranger's belief, which catapulted me into like thinking differently about what my decisions were, thinking differently about how I could get to be in that position. So that's something that's helped me. Um, but I think something too, like the marginalization of being a black woman, the, my rage against this, against the system is something that drives everything that I do. Like 
I'm so mad at the system. I'm so mad at it. And one, I don't know if this is true. My beliefs on this might change, but my beliefs current day is that the the system, we can get so mad at the system, like it's unfair and it's not uh, of equality and we need to change the system. One thing we have to recognize and remember, this is, this is a truth that has been very difficult for me to swallow. But does anybody uh, recall what year the Constitution was written? Can we can we Google that real quick? Do we have any history geeks on what year was the Constitution written? Like what year were these fundamental laws of the land put in place? Does anybody know roughly the year that they were written? Like we're going to just Google this real quick. Just just real quick. Just just we're going to just do this real quick. OK, like when what year were was the Constitution put in place? What year? The Constitution written. Constitution was written in 1776, right? 1787. Constitution was written in 1787. Um, can somebody let me know? Uh, were there were black people slaves? Were people in slavery at 1787? Were people in slavery at 1787? Were there slaves in 1787? Was black folks in America 1787? Were there slaves? answer to that is a yes. That is a hard yes. That is a hell yes. That is an absolutely yes. That is a fundamental yes. That is a capital letter Y-E-S. So one thing we got to remember, y'all, we can get mad at the system all day. System don't work. System got to be burned down. This country was founded on a system when people were literally unequal. The system is not flawed. The system works exactly the way that it was designed to work. The Constitution codified it and protected slavery and the slave trade. This is the world that we live in. Okay? I'm not a history buff, but this is some shit that pisses me off. And like, this is a, a tough pill that I've had to swallow. Is that like, the, the, the con yes, the system is flawed, but guess what? The system was built to function and operate the exact way that it does. It was designed to protect slavery and to protect the slave trade. So when, when we just, like, let's just accept the facts of the situation. This country in America was founded on individuals not being equal. So there is no absolute way that the laws that are still in place today display equality for all people in America. Fundamentally, it doesn't. Fundamentally, it doesn't. So what am I going to do about it being a black woman? Where my ancestors were slaves, where I, I probably would have been a house slave because I'm light skinned, which that's a whole nother, that's a different set of problems than people who was out, you know, picking cotton in the field. But at the end of the day, the system is doing the exact thing that it was created to do. And that means that there are specific and unique challenges that individuals of color, that women of color, that men of color, whether you black, brown or purple, if you are not perceived as a white American, you will experience these disadvantages from a place of uh, unequal privilege in this world because that's just what it is. There are unique barriers that we must have to learn how to navigate, learn how to address, learn how to manage the emotional response and learn how to overcome if we want to succeed in a system that was fundamentally not designed with us in mind. So when I at, at a point in time, I just I had to figure out how to just accept that as a fact versus 
only focusing on the rage that that was the that 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 was the fact. I had to learn how to accept that this is just the fact of my situation. This is what I was born into. But luck, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that I serve an abundant God. So that means that he can create abundance in my situation, despite what was formed against me. The system was formed against us. Just flat out. So kind of going back to the question of like, how did I enhance my belief? My belief had to just start with the acceptance of the facts of the situation. I'm born in America. I am perceived as a black woman in America, even though I am biracial. I am perceived as a black woman in America because of how my hair looks, because of how my skin tone is. I ain't black enough for the black folks. I ain't white enough for the white folks. Some I've struggled with my entire life. Hashtag go to therapy. Identity issues, blah, blah, blah. But like, how can I, my, my belief first had to start with the fundamental acceptance of the system. The system was a weapon formed against me. It was never formed for me to succeed. That does not mean that I cannot succeed though. That does not mean that I can't still have everything that I desire and everything that's been placed on my heart to desire because I serve an abundant God. And through God's might and through God's will and through my, my obedience to whatever I've been called to do, best believe I can overcome. I can navigate. I can create new doors that did not yet exist. I can create a new career path and go down a new career path that did not exist 15 years ago. Like we can we can prosper. So I think that that is just like one, just accept the fact that we you live in a capitalistic society. So that means you need to learn the rules of the game that were designed for you not to win and then learn then you need to create the cheat codes or learn the cheat codes to navigate the system like and i don't know if they, again so i get very cautious sharing that perspective publicly because i'm like i have no idea how people might respond to that but that's just my belief and that is what has supported me in this in this situation like it's just like we lived in a fucked up system the constitution and the laws were literally created and codified to protect slavery and the slave trade. Guess what? That means that these laws were never designed for me, for my husband, for folks who look like me. Okay, times have evolved. Yes. Have we progressed? Yes. Does this shit still exist? Yes. Does racism still exist? Yes. Does systematic oppression still exist? Yes. It just is in slavery is just happening in a different form. Oppression is just taking place in a different way. Like, all of this stuff exists. So if I just can accept the fact of the situation that the system is working the exact way that it's supposed to work, my question is now what am I going to do? Am I going to learn? the? I, I need to learn what capitalism is. I need to learn how to succeed in capitalism. I need to learn how to navigate the tools that allow these white folks to survive and allow all these old white men who built wealth. I need to learn the skill sets, learn the strategies that allow allow people to win in a capitalistic society no my parents didn't teach me this no my grandmother did not teach me this no my father did not teach me this no my elementary and public schools that I went to did not teach me this no they did not but just because they didn't teach me doesn't mean that I can't learn like we got access to the internet we have access to like investing in different things. Like, so instead of me buying a Louis Vuitton bag, I'm going to hire a coach who's a couple steps ahead of me. Instead of me buying a Gucci belt, I'm going to invest in this online course so I can educate myself. Like instead of me buying a Mercedes prematurely, I'm going to go spend that $50,000 on a coach. Like that's what I did. Cause I wanted, and I, I wanted to learn how to navigate the system. I wanted to learn 
um, how to do this. And like, it's just once you accept that as a fact, because that is the fact of the situation. Anybody else who thinks, oh, you can change. Like, if you want to change the system, you have to change the Constitution. Like you, we literally have to like re. I don't even know how that can be changed because it, like, it's just it's 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 the foundation of what we live on. I'm not saying that it can't change. I'm just saying like, okay, in the interim, what am I gonna do? In the interim, how do I want to show up? And that's something you always have a choice on. That is something you always have a choice on. That is something you always have a choice on. And I think that's the last thing I want to maybe like share to wrap this up is that like there's a fun in order for us to believe we must first start with the belief that we have a choice. You must first believe that you actually have a choice, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your situation. You must believe that you have a choice and all of us have a choice, despite where we came from, despite who our parents were, despite our economic status, despite the environments we grew up in, despite the neighborhood you are from, despite what you've been through, you always have a choice. And those choices may be hard. Those choices may be difficult. The repercussions of those choices can feel unbearable, but you always have a choice. You always have a choice. And despite how messed up the system is, despite how racist your neighbors might be, despite the passive aggressiveness you got to deal with when you go to work tomorrow, we always have a choice. We always have a choice. We always have a choice. And I think the big thing is that, like, decide today that you're going to choose you. Decide today that you're going to, like, choose the decision that your future self will thank you for. Choose that for once. Choose your knowing. Choose your intuition. Choose what God has been whispering to you in your dreams. Like, choose that. And if you make those choices, those small choices over and over and over and over again, no matter how small they might be, I guarantee you, you'll be closer to where you want to be. (sighs) Okay, guys, I am going to hop off because I've been on here for like an hour and a half. I cannot believe you guys have been still watching this for this long. Um, Thanks for celebrating with me tonight and chatting with me. Um, Hold on. I see like three questions about my team. My team right now, this is how you know we're, we're running lean. I have three program coaches who are absolutely incredible. Um, Monique, Erica, and Janine. And I have a video editor at the moment. That is, that is Team Hawk at the moment. Um, in the past, we've had Whitney. I see that she's on. We had, uh, she was like an executive assistant, then got promoted to operations manager. Um, we've had a marketing coordinator uh, at one time in the business too. But for the last six months, it has been three program coaches and me. And that I think that's a huge testament. I haven't really like shared that publicly, but that's a huge testament to like how lean my business actually is and how amazing our processes are. Like we had more team when we were growing from 300K to a million than we've had since we've made a million. And like Whitney's on here right now. I love and adore Whitney. Um, Jessica, who was a marketing coordinator, um, Monique, she's been with us ride or die from the beginning. And we had a person that handled, handled sales. We had a team of probably like four solid team members who were there for at least a year when we were growing from 300K to a million. And then when we got to a million, our team changed. Um, you know, Whitney rolled off. Everybody rolled off the team. 
And since we've made a million dollars cash collected in the in a in the revenue, we have had a very very lean team because the processes that were built when we were growing from 300k to a million allowed the sustainability and the maintenance of a million dollar business with such a lean team. So for the past, like I said, six or seven months, we've had three program coaches who are contracted, and me running the business. And I've still been only working maybe 15 hours a week, 20 hours a week. Um, on the actual business, like, because there's so many, like, I think that's, you know, I was, ta- I was doing an interview the other day over the weekend, I was doing an interview and I was in a breakout session and somebody's like, well, what do you mean? It's just you and three coaches. Like you're running, a, like we're a multi seven figure business right now. They're like, who's running admin? Like who's handling tech? I'm like, there's no tech. Like we don't run complicated funnels. We don't run paid ads. We don't run webinars. We don't have these 15 million email sequences. We don't got none of that. So then they're like, so what you, so you ain't got no funnels. I said, no, we don't. And it's like, what? And they're like, wait, I cannot compute. Like, what do you mean you're running a multi seven figure business and you don't have all these like complicated tech funnels? I said, we were never built on that. Like we were built on organic marketing. So like, you know, so she's like, well, then who's scheduling your content? I mean, like I, I schedule it right now. Like I, you know, for the past six months, seven months I have been. Part of that, you can have an admin that's scheduling your content, have a video editor that's chopping it up, um, you know, but you don't need it, you know, like literally right now my business can function with like, if we had just one full-time person in myself, the business could double in revenue. If I had two full-time people, my business could easily triple in revenue, like without a doubt. I have, I've ran the projections, like easily could happen. So it's just like, um, that I think is also a testament to like our client roster has tripled and our client results are better than they've ever been before. It's not because we're team heavy, because we're top line heavy, like because we have a bunch of staff that's compensating for a lack of systems, that's compensating for a lack of efficiency, which is usually the case. Like I've seen so many coaches who overhire too early, too soon, because they're hiring bodies to fill gaps of inefficiency in their business model. I wanted to figure out how do I design curriculum and design operating systems so that I'm not having to use a person to fill the inefficiency, but that I can better refine the actual system to fill the inefficiency so that when a team member does come on again, it just amplifies the effectiveness because the system is so strong in and of itself. The curriculum is so strong in and of itself. So that's what I've really focused on and refining over the years. And these past seven months were a test. I was like, if we have no major team, like no salesperson, no operations manager, no marketing coordinator. What can we do without any of that? What would the systems need to be? And like over these past seven months, it's been really beautiful. Like we've doubled our client roster without the team because it forced me, it it really invited me into an opportunity to look at where are the inefficiencies in my systems? Where are the inefficiencies in my curriculum? Where are the inefficiencies in my operating processes? Where like if I plug those gaps, like what would I have to do so that I don't have to hire a human to solve it. And these past seven months have been a test to that. So, you know, that's the answer. Like maybe four people asked me about what my team dynamic is. That's my core team. Shout out to the program coaches that are here. I want to say shout out to the team members that have got us here before they were, you know, before in the past years. Because those experiences with those team members, like, allowed me to learn the lessons and a lot of the processes they built were like the foundation of what I've refined over the years to like put us in this position. So that's where the team is right now. Um, three program coaches who've been through our programs. We only hire coaches who've actually 
gone through our program. They were clients of ours for at least a year and who have gotten the promise that we deliver as a result of our program. So like I'm, I do not believe in hiring coaches off the street who don't know what the hell they're doing. And then now they got to come in here and coach you. No, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I ain't about to put have you working with a coach who don't know what they're doing either. Um, so we only hire coaches who've been through our program, who've gone through the program, who've gotten the result of our program to coach our clients. And then, um, so we have three program coaches and I just hired a video editor about two months ago. Um, and that is where the team is right now. I'm in the process right now of hiring like somebody to support from a business and client delivery perspective, like to help with um, operations and client success. Uh, so that's a huge thing that I'm, I'm working on hiring right now that we'll go into next year. Um, and that is that. So thank you guys so much for hopping on. I want to answer at least that last question because like four of you guys asked it. Um, then I did screenshot all the other questions that came in. So just thank you guys for celebrating with me tonight. I just can't, I can believe it. I can believe it that we have done a million dollars in profit this year. I can believe it. Why? Because this was the goal. I set the goal. I took the actions. And it happened. And it did. <laughs> so thank you guys for celebrating with me. Thank you guys for asking the questions. Um, if you do need some support, if you're like, Jay, how can I learn more from you? Um, you uh, there's like two things you can do. Like either one, if you're in a position where you want to learn how to design a curriculum-based group coaching program, um, you want to sell it at three to $10,000, like you want to build the business model that positioned me to have this much profit, you can um, join our waitlist for leverage. Um, the waitlist right now is looking like LA traffic, okay? The waitlist is thick right now. And I'm like, I know uh, we're probably going to do, I, I'm trying to decide if we're going to act open up client spots in, before the end of the year. I know for sure I definitely will open up client spots again in January. I know we have a couple clients, um, a couple client spots that we'll be opening up. Uh, so if you are interested in that, you can go join the wait list. We notify our wait list first when client spots are open. So you can visit jerishahawk.com backslash leverage, or you can click the link that's listed in my bio that will take you to the page. Um, we only open up client, like we only open up enrollment when client spots become available. Um, right now, we don't have any more client spots available. Um, I'm working on the back end now operationally so that we actually can open up client spots in January. So that is my goal um, is, you know, tightening up a couple things and uh, preparing our coaches and our team and uh, so that we can take on more clients because the wait list, like I said, right now is thick. Like it's looking like LA traffic at 5 p.m. Like it is, it's thick. So you can, but but still get on the wait list because I, again, I'm dedicated right now to working on the operational processes so that we can take on more clients come January. Um, so jerishahawk.com backslash leverage. If you are somebody who is in a position where you're like, Jay, I just need help like clarifying my program promise and like figuring out what the hell I'm offering. Um, you can visit jerishahawk.com backslash niche, N-I-C-H-E, jerishahawk.com backslash niche. And I put together like a, a complimentary PDF. It's not free because you do give me your contact information, but it's complimentary. Okay. Like we, we treating y'all like at the Amex lounge. Like girl, this, free, this food is free. No, honey, it's complimentary. Okay. So this is a complimentary PDF guide that um, I created. It's very comprehensive um, that you can get at dreshahawk.com backslash niche. And you can down that 
absolutely complimentary. Um, if you enjoyed today's live stream, my only ask is that you tag me on your Instagram stories. You decided to listen to today's episode for a reason. Call it divine alignment or intentional selection. But either way, you're here because you want to sustainably add six figures of new revenue to your coaching business. But maybe you haven't figured out how exactly to do that. You are ready to structure your business model so that you can sustainably add six figures of new revenue by working less than five client hours per week. You're ready to stop the constant hunt for new clients, and you want a lean launch approach to generating consistent sales month after month. You actually care about your clients, and you love to watch them win, but you don't know how to over-deliver without undercharging. You've got the fruit, baby, but you don't know how to squeeze the juice. That's why this episode today is brought to you by my Leverage Group Coaching Program which is also called leverage. If you want to scale your one-on-one coaching business without taking a pay cut by launching a high ticket group coaching program, I encourage you to join the waitlist for leverage by visiting jerishahawk.com backslash leverage. Once enrollment opens and you submit your application, you'll be invited to complete an in-depth assessment, helping you identify the specific gaps in your business today that are holding you back from sustainably adding six figures of new revenue to your business in the next 12 months. No more guessing what the problem is. The business assessment will tell you exactly where you need to focus. Do not waste another minute. You're literally leaving thousands of dollars on the table and you might be throwing your personal sanity out the window. <laughs> Join the waitlist for leverage today. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash leverage now.